0: Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time.
1: Welcome back to Material World, where we delve into the stories behind all the things you eat, drink, smoke, wear, and otherwise spend your money on. We're your hosts. I'm Lindsay Rep. I cover retailers in the mall for Bloomberg News. And I'm Jenny Kaplan, I cover the beverage, tobacco, and cannabis industries for Bloomberg. A couple of weeks ago, I went out to lunch with some colleagues, but instead of going to one of our usual places, we checked out a pop-up market that had a bunch of different trucks and stands selling all kinds of food, and also other products
2: like jewelry and baby clothes and other crafts. That sounds fun. So you can try all kinds of food and check out like local artisans without actually trekking all over the city. Variety in one place. Kind of like those food truck rodeos I used to love to go to when I lived in North Carolina. Exactly. And the food I had was delicious, but
1: maybe even more importantly, it was a really fun experience. I spoke to some people while I was there to see why they chose to spend their lunch hour perusing pop ups.
0: Well, I work right across the street, so I always get food around the area, and it's nice. Like, the weather's really nice, and it smells really good. Plus, a lot of my coworkers just came back up and were like, oh, the empanadas are amazing. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay.
3: Okay. Probably a while ago, people might not have eaten that um, out of a food truck or something, but you know, nowadays they're pretty savvy in terms of attracting people to their different kinds of foods. Just trying something different, you know. You're not going to get your normal uh, grilled cheese. That'll... It's probably faster than sitting at a
2: restaurant, and it's a nice day. So.
4: Right. That being the the key point, that it's a nice day. Outside. Um, well, I'm from out of town, and I just really like the idea of seeing like New Yorkers just like casually out on the street. Like, yes, there's so many like amazing things that are already here, but to see people just coming out just like casually in the middle of the street is just really exciting for us.
2: Trucks and pop-ups fit a lot of today's shopping trends, supporting local small businesses, spending on experiences rather than just things, but the concept isn't totally new. Michelle Lamb and Adam Sobel, two entrepreneurs who are taking advantage of retail on the go, spoke to that point.
4: Back when, you know, the Wild West was being settled, you had the traveling salesmen traveling from town to town. So, I think that mobile retail, nomadic retail, flexible retail formats, whatever you want to call it, it has been around for a really long time and it's very interesting for uh, young companies like True & Co. and then also massive retailers that were all incredibly interested in bringing these concepts back to life. You know, we call it, you know, doing old school the new school way. (laughs) And we're finding that's happening across all customer acquisition categories, actually.
3: This is something that has always existed, especially in New York, Um, you know, street food and being able to buy things on the street I think is a really integral part of New York City's, you know, kind of microeconomy and mm. and culture. Uh, it's it's just evolving and changing. Like it's becoming more visible from a global point of view, right? Like people see the food I make on Instagram and comment on it from Australia, and and so we've become this sort of um, tourist destination that is mobile. Street food a hundred years ago in New York City, like nobody was going to travel from outside of New York City to find this one street corner that this one person made like a real good hot dog on. Um, but that's, that's sort of changing. So I, I don't think it's, becoming more, it's just becoming more prevalent.
2: You'll hear more from them later. Mobile retailing is growing and evolving, and it's all over the country now. You can get pretty much anything out of a truck, from manicures to bra fittings to knife sharpening.
1: Online retailing has majorly lowered the barriers to entry for opening a shop, and that's flooded the market. Having a truck is a way to differentiate. Plus, consumers' preferences are changing, so restaurants and
2: entrepreneurs are looking for creative ways to get their attention. Some people are very excited about these new stores on wheels.
4: It's the latest trend for fashionistas who are on the go. These are boutiques on wheels, fashion trucks, just like food trucks, fashion trucks bringing style practically to your doorstep. ABC's Rachel Smith checked it out.
0: It combines the convenience of online shopping, and then you also can try these things on.
4: I am
2: in love. If trying on a dress in the back of a truck sounds fun, Jenny, then how would you feel about getting fitted for a bra in the back of a converted truck or even a tent?
1: I'm all in on that. I've definitely perused various online bra stores, but I feel like you kind of need that awkward bra expert groping to get the right fit.
2: Yeah, maybe. But Michelle Lamb founded her bra and intimates company True&Co as an online-only business and it uses algorithms and a quiz to fit customers into the right style and size bras, but then she decided she wanted to take it to the streets with what she calls nomadic retail.
1: She's created a new way for users to actually try the product and talk with a fit specialist. She has a fit truck with dressing rooms and also fit tents
2: that can travel around the country. We sat down with Michelle to find out a little bit more about how these trucks and tents work.
4: I was very inspired um, by uh, these ice cream trucks that usually come around to um, my my neighborhood when I was a kid and they would ring the bell um, to say, it's ice cream time. (laughs) And that was a trigger moment right, for the kids of the neighborhood to say, this is ice cream time. Like the Mr. Softy theme. Like the Mr. Softy theme song. Uh, So for me, I think a lot of women, and in fact we know this, 60% of the women that we have surveyed do not replace a bra unless it's falling off their body. Oh, so it's three years, it could be five years, the record that I heard was one woman had a bra for 12 years. And so what I really wanted to do was remind women about this really important part of their wardrobe that's essentially the foundation for everything else that they wear in life. So what we call it uh, is nomadic retail. So like the nomads that migrated all around the countryside um, in a set pattern. Um, We uh, have now have two nomadic retail concepts. So in January of this year, we launched what we call the Try On Truck. It is a 24 by eight foot trailer of wood, glass, and steel, and has four fully heated fitting rooms on it. Uh, women can take the quiz before they come out to the truck, and we will have a personalized assortment of lingerie waiting for them based on the quiz results. And so this summer, we're launching the next generation of nomadic retail, and we call that the Try On Tent. So try On Truck, Try On Tent, The Try On Tent is based on a glamping experience, mm. uh, and essentially it is female powered, so one woman uh, can set it up in 30 minutes, the full shop. So wow. all the inventory, the table, the display racks, the tent itself. Where does that exist? I mean, where could you pitch a fitting room tent? It's a, it, Well, it's a shop-and-shop concept that can go anywhere. So anywhere from going into, for example, Bloomberg's offices and mm. setting up in your conference room so that all the women coming here can stop by on their way home to like get fitted and make sure that they've got the right lingerie for the season ahead or uh, you know, uh, a small uh, Brooklyn-based store that we're partnering with. You know, we can pitch it up in the garden in the back, and it's a beautiful experience for the summertime. And it's also a really unusual context
2: for lingerie, yeah. which I personally find intriguing. So you kind of touched on this about why go with a mobile strategy versus even a pop-up that's in a mall necessarily or, or a standalone store, but could you just sort of walk us through the benefits of being mobile versus, you know, having even a, a, having a storefront or a temporary storefront or just being e-commerce? Like why where, why is mobile that sweet spot? I do
4: think it's part of a growing movement in retail and it's all part of, uh, you know, retail is the new cultural uh, hub Uh, for a town or for a city Uh, and also you know retail all of a sudden being an experience retail as theater Mm -hmm. and so creating these amazing experiences that customers find unique that are personalized to them I think has applicability across the board Um, you know so I've heard retailers talk about flexible retail formats so that's a version of nomadic retail. I've heard retailers talk about mobile pop-ups. I've heard uh, retailers talk about um, you know, a string of pop-ups in order to address uh, seasonality in businesses, mm-hmm. for example, as opposed to committing to mall space 12 months out of the year. And I've also, one of the amazing things about Try On Tent and Try On Truck is it's bringing a retail experience to customers outside of the mall which has tremendous benefits for small retailers because in a mall you're tied to their operating hours which right. may not be your customers operating hours. You're also tied to all kinds of extra fees and payments on top of rent uh, you know which which can be hard to handle when you're starting out in a, in a mall setting. And in this case with try on truck and try on tent what you're really doing is you're expanding the the valuable real estate of some of the most you know the coolest shopping streets in the world. Yeah. Right. You park a truck out on the street and all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, Abbott Kinney, you know, in L.A., you know, has one more store (laughs) that that somebody can check out. Um, And we have found uh, we have found that kind of experience to be really successful. It's not just us. Right. Warby Parker had their uh, class trip uh, school bus. Casper had their nap store. Uh, You know, uh, fab.com is, you know, doing a line of pop ups across the United States uh, this summer. So I think we're all part of that growing trend of creating some interesting experiences for customers that they might enjoy.
2: I'm curious. You mentioned sort of the cost of, of you know, rent or doing a pop-up in a mall. What? what this is a very... Uh technical question but what do you need to like do you need permits to park the truck or do you just leave a
4: partner or okay there's a ton of logistics to bring this to a location there are permits that are granted municipality by municipality and um, you know while there is appropriate uh, permitting for food trucks in many different states mobile retail is a complete gray area Uh, and so that has its own set of challenges
2: From Michelle's perspective, it makes sense that she'd want something beyond a website. You know, she can provide an experience and personalized customer service in an environment that doesn't quite feel as awkward and stuffy as going into, like, a department store and being fitted. Bras can also be tough to order online, like you said, Jenny.
1: Right. It makes sense given her product to expand to some kind of physical location. Other entrepreneurs go the pop up or truck route because they simply don't have the capital to do otherwise. One such business owner, Susan Palmer, is the woman behind the Little Red Kitchen bake shop. She regularly sets up tents at different festivals and events around New York. She also has a permanent online store. Um, But I decided not to have a storefront because it's just, it's cost prohibitive in New York City, Um, which is why I opened the online shop. But I also kind of like to have that local presence. Right. um, Because I live in Brooklyn, I bake out of um, It's Spanish Harlem, an incubator kitchen, and so I'm still very, like, New York City, Brooklyn-based, and so I do pop-up markets. I do uh, a regular flea market in Brooklyn, um, so, you know, I get that still face-to-face contact. I mean, I know you said that having a storefront is cost-prohibitive, but is it also, do you feel like there are other benefits to being mobile? It just, I, I can be a little more creative with it. You know, I can constantly, you know, I'm constantly changing my setup, you know, right? I, I have more freedom, essentially. Wow. And yeah. kind of on the flip side, what are some of the hurdles of not having a physical store? Uh, there's lack of space. <laughs> <laughs> you're very condensed with everything and, you know, you're just kind of like, what I have is what I have. And... You know, there's, it's just, there's oh. storage is minimum. Right. Yeah. So we've heard about the benefits of being a mobile business, but let's take a look at some of the challenges. Food trucks have been around for a long time, but between 2007 and 2012, the industry saw 50% growth in revenue. And according to the National Restaurant Association, 19% of fast casual restaurants say they're very or somewhat likely to launch a truck in the next year or two.
2: Here in New York, at least, it's gotten
1: pretty cutthroat.
3: Beneath the cheery jingles, there is a turf war underway among the ice cream trucks of Midtown Manhattan.
1: Mr. Softy against New York Ice Cream, an unlikely pair of enemies, but a fight that's been going on for three years. Mr. Softy drivers won't park their trucks between 34th and 60th Street for fear of retaliation.
4: That's right. That's right. There's a war between Mr. Softy and New York Ice Cream. As one Mr. Softy driver put it, Let me tell you about this business. Every truck has a bat inside. That will guarantee an ice cream headache.
2: That really gives the Mr. Softy jingle a more sinister meaning. I'm definitely going to think twice about
1: where I get my ice cream this summer. Competition is just one challenge for a food truck owner. Adam Sobel helped give us a better understanding of the good, the bad, and the ugly of food truck life. He's the founder of the Cinnamon Snail, a vegan food catering service and vendor in the new upscale food court near Penn Station.
2: The Cinnamon Snail started out as a food truck. Adam actually ran two trucks at one point, but in 2015, he decided to shift his focus back to more traditional brick and mortar. He talked to us
1: about why he loved being mobile and why he decided it was time to change course. so you're now also in brick and mortar so what's kind of how do those play off each other what are the benefits
3: of right so I mean the plus side of our brick and mortar is you know it never gets towed or breaks down <laughs> or has the pizza guy on the block yell that we're you know unfairly taking away his business um, which is a real dynamic to be aware of with mobile food is. You know, there's always this misconception from the brick and mortar crowd that it's like an unfair advantage, where it's really just a different format of doing business, right?
1: What were some of the setbacks to being just
3: mobile? Uh, Well, I mean, in New York City, um, as you guys may know, there's a huge black market uh, permit trade. And there's really no way around that for mobile operators, for food in the city. Um, basically, there's a, um, a waiting list to hopefully get a permit through the city, but that waiting list has been filled since 1991, and you know nobody really lets their permits expire or become revoked because they're too valuable on the black market. So most of the permits that are out there now for, for vending in New York City, are held by retired vendors who were vending in the early '80s, um, and there's this whole very shady system of redistributing them through through like a middleman, f- matching up uh, potential renters with permit holders. Food trucks and carts have every issue a restaurant deals with. You know, we still have um, you know staffing problems and you know, ingredients that don't get delivered or equipment that breaks down, all the same things that restaurants deal with, overhead type of stuff, you know, carts and trucks also have to rent a, a, a commercial kitchen commissary, you know, ours in Brooklyn costs about $7,000 a month, um, plus, you know, fees for parking it somewhere and everything like that, um, So they have all these problems that restaurants also have, but then there are a lot of things that are unique to the mobile environment. Whether it's uh, you know getting into fender benders or being delayed to get set up because of traffic, or you know really uh, inclement weather making it impossible, or you know when it's like the winter time, you know things you don't even think about, like your can't use your hand sink because the pipes freeze and burst overnight so you're constantly getting the plumbing repaired and there's like so many different facets to it that just make it like a constant barrage of problems to solve (laughs) Um, which uh, to me was always worth it like I really love being able to serve vegan food in this way and that stuff never discouraged me but what made me finally uh, stop renewing our permits for the city with just that whole permit process itself.
1: You also have to make food that, you know, you have this kitchen space, but it also has to be made on the truck. I mean, that has to also be a complicating factor, right? It's not like you've a lot of room. to.
3: Like, right. I mean, that, that right, was always so, yeah. uh, a huge challenge, especially as a food truck that was like highly, highly in demand. You know, when our trucks were operating daily, Pretty much every day by the time lunchtime hit, we had, you know, 80 people in line for a couple hours. And it's it's a small space to cook in, but it's really like a game of Tetris of how are you going to fill like a thousand servings of food inside this little, you know, kiosk on wheels type of... and then fit all the infrastructure into that space, too. You know, a place for the water from your hand sinks to go into, a place for, you know, your generator that's going to power your fridges to go. It's really like a game of Tetris, getting everything to fit in and having all the components to craft the food uh, in a way where you're hopefully not going to run out of food. Actually, if you look at how many food trucks are on the street today, versus how many there were on the street in New York City five years ago or four years ago, it's actually a lot less. Um, Um. The regulations have gotten increasingly difficult. And like we did, a lot of people kind of threw in the towel with continuing to like deal with this black market and have found other ways to operate their businesses, either through brick and mortars or like finding... You know, bidding on locations through the parks department, where they can be always in the same little nook of Central Park every day. But that's that's not my dream. Like that, real to me, that really doesn't take advantage of any of the benefits of mobile food. It's it's now it's a restaurant that you have to drive to every day and deal with all the issues of a mobile food business, but none of the real benefits of. Uh, so that's what's kind of. Uh, evolved about the climate of mobile food in the city in the last couple years. I mean, there's really been a, a crackdown on the permit trade and it's, it was always difficult and now it's like extra hoops to jump through and you know most people find it's really hard to make a profit at it.
2: There are pros and cons to being a business on wheels in a brick and mortar store or existing only online. Truck owners like Adam have to deal with permits and parking and maintenance and logistics, plus all the challenges that regular entrepreneurs face.
1: If you're a traditional store, you're in trouble too. People don't really go to malls as often to browse and hang out and discover new brands. Also, rent is expensive, you have to stock stores, and you have to have employees.
2: But just being online doesn't really work either, because you just don't get the same customer exposure, and it doesn't matter how aggressively you advertise. Amazon recently opened up a physical bookstore, but Nobos and Birchbox, which started online, have also opened up storefronts. To
1: find out how the retail industry is thinking about balancing all of these mediums, we talked with Roberto Ramos, senior vice president for global strategy at the Donninger Group consulting firm.
2: Why are more companies looking to non-traditional formats?
5: It's all about giving the consumer freedom. You know, with mobility, that that is ultimately the, the biggest element, you know, power you, you can you can give them. Freedom to explore, freedom to discover, freedom to save time, freedom to find a really, um, you know, good deal. This goes back to the importance of having just a very strong concept, being able to deliver a lifestyle experience. I think people are, in, consumers are expecting to be inspired for, you know, they, they want to be delighted for every single discretionary uh, dollar, um, you know, they're spending. So we go back to kind of like the traditional guidepost, you know, it's location, location, location. It's, you know, it's product merchandise, it's, you know, it's the, the concept. The beauty with digital, the beauty with testing um, the brand, the product proposition before going physically, is being able to first and foremost iron out any sort of kinks in terms of uh, you know that connection, the product, what you're offering, being able to build a follower base, so that when you launch the product, you know you you pretty much mitigated some of those risks. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, across the board, I, I think the fundamentals of, of creating something unique that that gets people attention and gets them in the store and gets them buying hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, as, as beings, we haven't our essence hasn't really changed.
2: If you can sort of weed out some of those risks in advance online, or you can kind of test things online. Why go physical at all? I mean, you, you mentioned that people sort of crave that touch, but can you be successful and only exist online, I guess, is is the question.
5: I think across the board, you know, powerful brands are, are brands that are uh, that know no limits in, in terms of where they they, they they live. Again, we're still physical beings. We, we get up in the morning. You cannot block out a physical experience. You know, you can block out a pop-up ad, you know, and, and that's a whole kind of like rising, you know, sort of territory. But the idea of being physically present, engaging, telling a story, being top of mind, um, you know, creating those emotional experiences, again, from everything we're seeing going forward, uh, I think it's going to be playing a stronger role than ever.
1: So does a pop-up store or a truck that's temporarily in your area or, you know, that sort of temporary thing, does that take care of that physical presence or is that kind of seems to me like in some ways for the risk factors, that's the middle ground. I mean, that's, you know, you're getting the best of both worlds, but does that take care of the, like, foot traffic, walking by every day, always having that physical reminder? I
5: I think any sort of executions, you know, such as a pop-up space, such as a foot truck. I mean, if you're going to do it well, and if you want to build a multi-million dollar business, a billion dollar business, it it, it can play a very opportunistic role. Um, So from there, you know, you build traction and it's proof of concept. It's all these different things, but it's it's not enough for scale. It's not enough for, you know, continuity. Um, If you want to remain niche and you want to be kind of like that forever vintage, sort of like that neighborhood, that corner play, that's fine. But um, I don't think it it can take you lead and long in terms of actually building a powerful, sustainable brand and and business. And I feel like right now it's it's almost like the new norm of like, oh, we'll launch with a pop-up or we'll launch with with a a truck or we'll do this this sort of thing. So there's a little bit of fatigue around it. And uh, so there's got to be a little bit more. And again, just from a business fundamental business plan perspective, I would ask the question, what is the bigger story? here. What do we want to do? What is the two year, three year plan, um, you know, regarding this brand?
1: Do you see opportunity on mobile just for mobile? Like, do you see, I mean, I know there are a lot of apps and stores and all sorts of things that are curating an experience just for your phone, where it's not even necessarily a tool you're bringing into the store. Mm -hmm. It's just you know, in your office and wherever, do you see that as a big opportunity, or do you think it's really the connection between the phone and the physical store?
5: It's, it's definitely the connection. Um, okay. And again, and with the mobile, you can create so many different things, but it's more of a conduit to again bridging that physicality and, and, and the digital divide. It, it's our security blanket. It's our, it's our again our monitoring compass. This, this is what we carry for you know urban warriors. So it's. Uh, it, and again, I go back to the, the, the premise of a strong concept. You know what you do with it, but addressing both sides of what consumers are looking for, you know, that more rational side, it's, it's all about being time poor, give me better solutions, give me frictionless experiences. And the other side, it's about surprise me, delight me, deliver a little bit of wonderlust, deliver something spontaneous.
2: It seems like the biggest opportunity for retail and food trucks maybe is just one part of a multifaceted business. The trucks alone aren't going to be the answer for every entrepreneur with a product and a dream. It's hard work, presenting a lot of the same challenges as a physical storefront, but with added logistical issues. And even if you're not dealing with mafia permit dons, there's parking and cleaning and figuring out how to fit everything you need into such a small space. But being mobile has benefits too.
1: You can get your brand in front of new users who might not have found you online, it sets you apart from your stationary competition, And it can be a smaller financial commitment than a lease on an actual
2: storefront. Like for the cinnamon snail, Adam Sobel was able to serve his vegan street food to lots of different communities in the same week. And for Michelle Lamb, she can have the human interaction element of bra shopping, awkward as it sometimes is, without starting a whole bunch of brick-and-mortar stores. It's a nice hybrid. More and more we're seeing online retailers and
1: -and brick-and-mortar stores trying to bridge the gap to the other side. A truck or pop-up store is a way to do that. Because having just one channel isn't really enough to entice shoppers anymore.
2: The key really is making your brand and products memorable for customers. Exactly. And mobile is just one way to cut through all the distractions. That wraps it up for this episode of Material World. Thanks for listening. For more Material World, check out Bloomberg.com or iTunes.com slash Material World. You can also
1: follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jenny M. Kaplan and Lindsay's at LC Rep. Learn more about Cinnamon Snail at Vegan Lunch Truck and Tru and Co at Tru and Company.
4: And luckily, laundry is tiny. Yeah, you can fit. There's a ton of panties lying underneath the
0: floorboards in this Triumph truck. Your industry is unique.